Hello and welcome to the First and Ten Chargers podcast. So we're back after another week and uh, moving ever so close to draft season now. It's what, well, we're Thursday evening when we're recording, so two weeks to go. Can't wait for it to get here. Yeah, it's getting exciting now, two weeks to go. All the all the build-up starts going on. There's still people talking that there might be a couple more blockbuster trades before we get there. I think this is the kind of the calm before the storm now. We've had a few big trades and I think everyone's sort of keeping the cards close to their chest so I think that they're, um, the build-up, though, and anticipation now, it's just mock draft central, I guess. You're seeing people bringing out their fifths and sixths and seventh. I've had to, my one comes out soon. I had to change mine after James Connor got signed, so I thought I might as well change it now. Um, but, yeah, it's really exciting time, really good time. Everyone's buzzing for the draft. And also there's going to be people there, which would be quite nice for the prospects and, and just getting back into the swing of it there. Yeah, for sure. It is. It's nice to kind of that normality, isn't it? Even though it's limited, isn't it? Limited players, limited family, yeah. limited things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, limited crowd. But it is nice. I mean, last year was a nice novelty, I thought, doing it online and things like that. But I didn't want it to be like that again. I don't think I'd, I'd, it, it would have taken the shine off that one. If that would have just been boring, we kind of done this sort of thing before. Mm-hmm. People have done the costumes. People have done like the dog on the seat and things like that. You know what I mean? It would have been just a bit like the novelty would have gone, I think. So, yeah, happy for it to get back to normal. And like I say, two weeks out, yeah, mock draft central. Um, I've actually done less mock draft, way less mock drafts this year than in person. Like it is in my writing. I know you've written one, obviously. Uh, it's going to go up on four, uh, first and ten. Um, but actually, wrote I've actually not wrote one for in the off season as of yet. I was doing loads of like pods and stuff like that, but um, not actually written one. So yeah, my final one's coming out. I'm going to release it as late as possible to try and avoid what you just talked yeah, about. Yeah, it's a nightmare. <laughs> and these last minute. Um, these last minute changes and and you know it often is the way, isn't it? When you write one, something comes out the day before and you have to either scupper it or it's just after and you just think, well, it's out of date now. It's really nice. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, no, we're moving in into day two after last week's podcast where we've gone from day one. We took Christian Darasol and we we're pretty happy with that. Yeah. I think he's actually been vindicated a little bit more actually this week. Um, I'll ask you actually, we've not actually talked much before we came on. Did you see Brandon say this podcast? Um, podcast. Brandon say this press conference. Sorry. Last uh, did, on the weekend, I, I did drop in and out of it. I have to say, but I did pick up the gist of and a few things what he did say. But mm. yeah, he he was talking a lot about length, and I know we've talked about Elijah Vera Tucker and we've talked about Rashawn Slater a lot. But mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think it's a massive problem arm length things like that. I don't buy into that too much. I mean, obviously, if it's horrendously long or you know if athletic testing is really really bad, then yeah, of course it does have an impact. But arm length, I'm not too fussed about. But with Brandon said talking about arm length and length in general for well, not just tackles, but a lot of players and a lot of positions. I do think that kind of rules out Elijah Tucker and Rashawn Slater. I think if the pick is going to be a tackle, I think they might be targeting Christine Darasor, who is a taller, lengthier guy. So, like I say, kind of vindicated our pick a little bit there, I think. Yeah, definitely. I think um, unless it was a smoke screen, you never know with this sort of stuff yeah, going on. Be. But um, yeah, I, I mean, I still don't know. I could maybe understand why they would maybe pass on Elijah Vera Tucker and Darasaur just because you could argue that Darasaur is is more of the pure tackle, but Slater has played tackle for the majority of his career, if not all of his career. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I mean, this is just me personally. I just think that just with arm length and things like that, I'm not really too sure that that would be a justification not to take Slater over Darasaur. I still think he's the better prospect. I think you just take the best prospects you can. Um, so, I can see why he might have said things like that because obviously a lot of his, I think a lot of the, the guys in um, the Rams where he was and, and and the Bears and the Broncos, et cetera, 
I mean, they've they've all liked big, lengthy guys, the big, lengthy linemen. So I can see where it started the the shoe fits the foot, if we say. So I think that um, Darasaur is a strong possibility still as uh, pick thirteen. Obviously, with us taking him there at thirteen, I think that the realism to it is pretty strong. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I completely agree. You mentioned trades, and I know that the Chargers won't obviously be involved in a blockbuster trade. I don't expect them to do something like they did last year when they traded back into the first to get Kenneth Murray. But do you think they'll trade at all? Do you think they'll maybe trade back if they can or anything like that? Do you foresee any sort of circumstances where that arises? Um, I can see the possibility. I think there's, I, I can see that there's definitely going to be more possibility for us to trade up for certain individuals. So more so that if a couple of guys go off the board, I can't see us really moving. Um, more than it will definitely do it in round two, we'll definitely do it in round three, etc. I think mm. that obviously the clear the clear holes are tackle and corner. So if there is a particular guy, say if it's Penny Saul early, um, or say if for for instance, for strange reasons that say Atlanta took Satan, then someone else took JC Horn, and then Farley was the main guy there. There's possibilities there that you could see that maybe the Chargers want to take a corner before the tackle and they move up. I mean, I wouldn't advise it, but that's what possibly that that could happen. So I can mainly see if they are going to trade up, that they would trade up to target them play uh, them positions um, with obviously a player in mind um, more so than yeah they'll trade up in round three or they trade up in round two. I, I can see it more being a target for a tier drop off as a player. Mm. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, it is the sort of thing, isn't it, where we're not used to having nine picks, right? We've got nine picks. We've got a little oh, bit of yeah. extra to slide around. So maybe, you know, day two, day three, you might see a little bit of moving around. But just to, like you say, go up and get someone. I mean, I said it on the NFL Draft Punks episode that I was on last weekend where we did a big, big mock draft and I was picking for the Chargers. I just swung a trade because Sewell was dropping. I actually called Detroit and got up to seven. I'd really like them to consider that if, I've, if he did I've slide. I've done that. I've literally done the same thing. Yeah, I wouldn't. I yeah, mean, done the same thing. I don't know if they'll, they'll they will. I don't know if that will happen. I don't think so. We'll, we'll drop that far. But if he gets past six, or if sorry, if he gets past five, excuse me, Miami probably aren't going to take him. They seem enamored with a wide receiver or an offensive weapon at least. You know, Kyle Pitts maybe in play. But yeah, if he gets past four, five, I would be at least making the phone call. Let's say that. Yeah, definitely. I think that what they what you got to realize here is that I think that. We think, and quite a lot of people think that Saw is the clear tackle one. Um, obviously, they've they've bunched maybe Slater in with them as these are the two clear guys that are going to be going as the top two tackles. I think that the tear drop off between those two is quite considerable. So it's not it's not like like stupid considerable, as in like there's first round and then there's second round grades, but there is quite a big drop. So I think that. If you're getting into the range where you can jump up to seven and Detroit need a lot, mm. why not just give up a second round pick to get a clear, like the not maybe not this year's second, but next year's second. I think a lot of teams as well this year might trade next year's picks because they can they can see where their cap's gonna go. So rather than this year trading what we need, what we need now, because we're everyone's a little bit nervous with what they need now. Like San Francisco, they give away loads for next year and the year after, but not not a lot this year to move up. And so same with Miami giving away picks for Philadelphia next year. So I think that if the Chargers did it, maybe next year's second and maybe another pick for like a fourth or late third this year to jump up to get Saul. I think that it's worth it because I think that the teardrop is that considerable that. 
you're getting someone of Saul's caliber that Herbert knows. There's mm. so much familiarity there. He's got the length, the athleticism is such, and everything sort of works. Like the scenario is just brilliant if that can happen. And I think that the rewards and the costs is definitely worth it. So it's definitely something I'd look at if I was a charger, especially if Saul's there at seven. Yeah, 100%. Completely agree. I mean, it's one of those, isn't it, where Detroit as well, if you look at them, they're the team that I'd be targeting, the team that I did target last weekend. I mean, they've obviously got picks in the bank for next year. They're in a multi-year rebuild. They're not going to be the sign of like looking at 2022 and thinking, right, that'll be when our window starts. You know, they've got picks in the bank that probably want to accumulate as much as possible. They'll probably want to be up there with the Dolphins and the Eagles in terms of controlling the draft this time next year. And the more picks they can get, the more ammo they can get, and maybe they'll want to get a quarterback next year when Jared Goff, you know, is or isn't the sort of the, the guy long term for them, or just putting pieces around him and building up the defense. So, yeah, Detroit are going to be kind of looking with one eye on next year already, I think, in terms of the next draft. And yeah, they'd be primed to accept a deal. I think, you know, I think that's in their interest in us. Plus, maybe you know, we can get Anthony then on the phone and we can get in negotiating with him, and he can do as a solid. <laughs> Don't know about that, but yeah, for a change, exactly. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So let's move into actually talking about some some prospect fits and obviously some positions that we're going to take. Is taking a corner at 47 as sort of necessary as taking a tackle at 13? Um, Is it kind of as locked into that position? No, no, it's not. It's I mean, you would have thought that that is the two clear positions, but it's going to come down. I personally think that if... How I, how I see it at the moment is obviously we've taken the tackle at 13, but how I do see it in some respects is if we don't move up and we don't try and target a Saul or et cetera, I see the actual better talent being the cornerback at 13 and actually the depth being there for tackle towards the 40 pick. So, But when you switch it and take the tackle at 13, I'm not sure I like the cornerback depth that there is at 40 in the 40s as I'm, as do, as much as I do with the tackles. So it's kind of a strange one, really. Like, everyone wants that tackle at 13. I think it's the way to go. I think that's how mm. you do it. And then when it gets to the 40s, in theory, I still think that the, the best, sort of the best talent on the board is still tackle and wide receiver. And I'm not too sure the cornerback market is going to be as great as we really want it to be. So why do we want to really stretch and reach for that cornerback because we need one rather than just taking best player available in the 40s? So if we if we kind of went back rewound a week and we'd taken JC Horn or Patrick Satan, something like that, who are the tackles that you'd be happy with at 47 to kind of take it in that direction? Well, I think personally, I think that in for 47, you're looking at Eichenberg, Radunes, uh, and Spencer Brown. I think that one of those guys will be there. Cosme as well, maybe? Cosme, possibly. I think that the pro day helped quite a lot. Yeah, sure. Because of the speed. Um, so I think that he's, just because so many people need tackles, I think yeah, we were that last week, probably, weren't we? he's probably going to be gone. Um, I'm not overly love, I don't overly love Jalen Mayfield from Michigan at all as a tackle, but the talk is he's locked in and loaded as top in the first round, early second at the latest. So all of a sudden you're saying Saul's gone, Slater's gone, Darius has gone, Cosme's gone, Mayfield's gone, Jenkins is gone, 
their attacker's gone. They're pretty much certs before we pick at 40. So you're saying maybe Leatherwood, Eichenberg, if you're saying Leatherwood's a tackle, Radoons and Spencer Brown. So it's not, I'm not overly a fave with it, but I would more than, I'll be more than happy with Eichenberg or Radoons there at the, in the 40s. Whereas if you look at corner, I'm scratching my head thinking, I don't know what prospect I like more or if there's anyone there that I really think is worthy of that early second. Like I'd maybe think about trading down in a second and then taking one. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. I kind of agree with you in the, in the fact that I would say that JC Horn is probably a better player per se, if you just ranked them kind of next to each other without taking into consideration the Chargers needs or anything like that. than Christian Darasaw. I would say that's fine. I would say that is probably about right. But I'm kind of flipped around. I'm kind of the other way around from what you just said. I mean, I think that the, the corner depth is actually pretty reasonable at 47. Mm-hmm. I feel like we'll get quite a decent player. I think we can get a starter for sure at 47. And, you know, we talked about it in the past that protecting Justin Herbert is the, the number one priority for this team. So I think, you know, when was it? The, was it 2013 when they got DJ Fluka? That's the first round. That's the last first round tackle that they've had for this team. And that was that AJ Smith or was that Tom Tesco? Was that Tom Tesco's first draft? Might have been his first draft. So he's not done it for eight years if he doesn't do it this year. So I just think it's time to sink some premium draft capital into that position. I know we did it, obviously, we can't really take it back. But, and then, like I said, I do think you can get the likes of... I mean, are we moving into players? Do you want me to, are, we, are we going into players in terms of the corners, yeah. I guess? So, I mean, I'd be looking at if... I mean, let's let's start from the beginning. So, Satan, Horn, and Caleb Farley's probably still gone, despite the back injury. He's gone. And I would say probably Greg Newsom's gone as well. I think, mm-hmm. I think those four are potentially going to go in the first round. Mm-hmm. Moving into the second, early part of the second round, Eric Stokes is probably gone from Georgia. And on the fence, even though I kind of want the Chargers to take him, I think they want to take him too. I think Asante Samuel may be gone as well. The Chargers obviously like him because they've met him a couple of times um, and they think that maybe he's in that range. So after that, let's say say Samuel's off the board, although I do think there's a bit of a possibility they might be there. People that I'd be quite happy with taking. Tyson Campbell from Georgia, absolutely. I actually rate him better than Stokes. I know I'm probably in the minority just about with that one. I think they kind of split. I think they're quite a divisive pair. But I like Tyson Campbell, especially for the upside, especially for the length as well and the athleticism. I know he didn't test great in his pro day, but you look on the tape and the tape actually looked way more athletic than he did in his pro day. And then you've got Ifiatu Melifonmu at Syracuse as well, another long, lengthy corner. Yeah. I think he had a great season there as well. And another longer, lengthy guy who would definitely be a reach at, um, at 47 and maybe would come into consideration if we didn't do this at... Um, what was it 90? No, sorry, 77, isn't it? Would be Paulson Adebo, who has his ups and downs for sure. I don't think I'd want to take him at 47. Athletically brilliant, and he definitely has some ball skills as a former wide receiver as well. So I don't know if we'd, we'd definitely see some rookie bumps in the road with Paulson Adebo for sure. But we saw rookie bumps with Michael Davis, and look where we've come to now, where we all kind of pretty unanimously like, think Michael Davis is pretty great. So, you know, if you can bet on that upside again, I think Paulson Debo might be, like I said, a bit rich. Maybe we'll come back to him on the third pick that we'll have at 77. But yeah, I'd be pretty happy to take uh, Tyson Campbell or if you had to Melafonwu or Asante Samuel if he's there. So if you're saying that you've got them three to choose from, mm. is there other positions that you think 
one, we need, and then two, where the other players lie in respect to them. So say if it's a wide receiver or an edge, that obviously the other positions that people are talking about. Mm. There's also one that's now come up on the radar, which wasn't there before, which is safety. Yep. So I think if you, if you actually switch to safety and look at who could be available at safety, I think that the options are better. Yeah. I think that you're going to go DB and you're looking at safeties, you could have the possibility of Richie Grant from uh, UCF. Yeah. Um, and Javen Holland from Oregon is also a possibility if he's around there at, the, at that 40 mark. So I think them two are better players than, and I think they might be able to get on the field straight away. And then you could use maybe Derwin as your kind of like hybrid linebacker defensive back and have Adley and one of these guys as your deep guys. And I think mm. that that could work better than maybe taking one of those CBs. So I don't know if you, how you see maybe Grant and Holland incomparable with, I know they play different positions, but as in best player available, who that might be. So Richard Grant's after, actually my safety one. I actually really like him. I think he's a really good tackler. I think he's got um, elite range. So you could definitely play in deep. And as you mentioned with Derwin, Adley, and then Grant, let's say in a hypothetical situation, the Chargers are going to play a lot of three safety defense next year which frees up Derwin and leaves you with two guys on the back end with a great range with Adderley and with Richie Grant as well. But in Richie Grant's case, not so much Adderley. You've got a guy who can actually tackle as well. Adderley needs to step up in his tackling. And, you know, if he didn't, then you might see a situation where Richie Grant might become the second safety and not the third quite quickly. Um, but no, I like it. I mean, I think um, going back to the other guy you mentioned, Javon Holland, he would be a bit more of a deep safety and nickel corner hybrid. Um, I don't think he'd come down in the box too much. I think he's a little bit smaller, like he's in slight. I think he's quite tall, but he's quite slight. He's under 200 pounds. Um, but he's another guy like, I think I've got a late second, early third grain on him. I can't remember it's one of those two. I think he's my safety four, because I like the TCU guys in between Grant and Holland. But there isn't a great deal of difference between um, the two guys we spoke about, who's one and four, and then with the TCU guys in the middle. I also do like... Um, Again, we'll kind of come on to this later on, actually. I do like a couple of safeties later on down the line for, for the third round picks that we have. But yeah, you're right. You're right. It's, it shouldn't maybe seen as tackle absolutely in the first, corner absolutely in the second. There should be some mix and a match and some flexibility for sure. I think safety is a good, good shout. I'm not enamored by an edge guy, even at 47, because I think like yeah. the quote-unquote top guys will be gone. And I don't know if I love too many of them, but I do think we can pick up, uh, you know, a good edge guy, day three, things like that, maybe even double down. Wide receiver, again, I'm kind of a bit on the fence, that I think day three. So, yeah, I think we're narrowing it down really to uh, safety, corner, or if we don't go tackle the first round, then we tackle in the second, or it could be like a wild card player. You know, if someone just drop in, just take BPA and, and kind of see what we can have on the field. So who would you be banging the table for as that 47 pick between the guys that we've maybe mentioned? So if if possible, if if he's there, I would say Samuel would be my pick. If I could get a situation where I get that Darasaur at 13 or one of the other tackles that we like at 13 and that's kind of locked up, I'd feel really comfortable with. I've said it all along, haven't I? I've said I'm really comfortable with Slater, Elijah Tucker or Darasaur. I don't think Saul will be there. I don't think they'll trade up either, knowing Tom Slesko. 
I think he'll want this flexibility. I think he'll realise as well that there is quite a few holes to fill in this roster still. As much as we like it, for the most part, I think depth-wise is where we've been let down in the past. So I don't know if he'll move around too much, especially early on. But yeah, if we can get uh, the left tackle sorted and then we can move into the second round and if we can get Asante Samuel at 47, if he's just about there, then I think that would be an incredible start to the draft. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. I think that the other guy you meant from mentioned from Syracuse as well. I think that obviously just because of his range at 6'3", to, I think he's like 210, 220. Yeah. I think that that could be potentially a guy that Staley would love um, just with the length um, and what he can do. So for me, maybe taking Asante Samuel, Melifalu, or like I said to you, maybe even Richie Grant um, as the safety. I think that one of one of them three guys I'd be more than happy with in the 40s. If we can get Asante Samuel, it'd be amazing. I just think he might be gone. Just Same. with the buzz he's getting now. I mean, I think Daniel Jeremiah made, I think he put him in pick 26, 27 recently in his mark. Mm. I think that he's just starting to creep the buzz now up into, I think that because of the Farley news and him getting the back injury, um, and I think what it's done is it's shot Newsom up the board. It's shot Samuel up the board. It's shot Molden up the board. Um, and it's just made this cornerback class. Maybe you got to maybe take them earlier, maybe rather than you want to. So I think Samuel could be gone by the time we're gone. I think it could be between taking someone like Melifanu or addressing another position like safety or possibly wide receiver. Do you think, and this is kind of just me floating the idea, I'm, I'm very much on board get a starting corner at 47 or like you say a starting safety that like you said you can push out of the outside every now and then or you could pick up a corner a little bit later on because this cornerback class as much as we do have the big three maybe the big four if you include Greg, Greg Newsom, it's pretty deep and I think you'll be able to get and I want I really want the charge to double down at corner I think they need like a replacement nickel to be kind of on the roster mm-hmm. uh, getting that kind of chemistry worked up just when Chris Harris goes next year do you think that there's a possibility, given that Brandon Staley's kind of success with, I wouldn't say nobodies, but not premium players at the cornerback position, do you think that there's a chance that they just kind of leave it till late and we see maybe a tackle, then a safety, then a wide receiver, and then an edge, and then we're thinking, but there was that like, corner coming. And then he just picks up a guy that he really likes the body shape of, thinks he's coachable, and then he just goes, you're my new uh, Troy Hill, or uh, was it Darius Williams, wasn't it, the other one? Yeah, uh- I can see it as well because we all we all think that we're going to go into a draft and address every position, <laughs> and it never it never happens. Every team comes out of it saying, "But what about this position?" Because yeah. they're still missing it, and that could clearly happen um, because obviously everyone at the moment you can say, "What about wide receiver? What about another edge for Bosa? What about is Jelly Terry going to be all right defensive tackle? We need a left tackle. We need a deep safety. We need two DBs." We're not going to get, I know we've got nine picks, but in all likelihood, there will still be a big question mark around one of them positions. And I think that because we need two corners, I think there could still be question marks over that. I think it's going to come down to if he thinks how we're going to be playing Derwin. We talked about it last year about him being a DB rather than a sort of deep safety or safety. I think that they're going to just make him roam. I think that the, I think that, the dot's going to be on his head. I think he's going to be the communication on the field. I think it's going to be him and Staley working this whole thing out together. And I think that they will be using him in ways where we haven't seen him before. So I think that as a DB, 
back line, if you say Harris, James and Davis, is it as big a question mark as we think it should be at 47? Like you said, he's pulled guys up, not off the street in some respects, but he got the right, I think he was under, he got pulled in by the Ravens, I think, didn't he, Williams? And then he went over to Staley's D when they released him in from the practice squad. And then obviously Troy Hill, late round pick. I think that they could find a gem in the later rounds, especially with sort of Renato Hill there, defensive coordinator, but old DB coaches as well. I think that he's going to know his stuff. And I think that we might be able to find a guy later on. Mm. Yeah, I just thought it was something worth floating. And I think the way that you've kind of phrased it with doing there, it has parallels with the way that Brandon said he was talking on the weekend about it being a DB. Mm-hmm. So he's going to mix and match. He's going to make it sort of a mismatch neutralizer, should I say. Uh, in terms of moving people around, probably some people playing outside when we don't think they should be, like Chris Harris maybe, Derwin playing all over, maybe Derwin playing some corner against some of the top wide receivers every now and then because we saw him um, was on hard knocks, wasn't it, where he was shadowing Keen Allen and, and sticking with him. So if he's sticking with Keen Allen, then I'm sure he can stick with most wide receivers out there because obviously we know what Keenan's route running is like. Let's move on then to like what are we going to do? What are we going to lock in? We've we been a bit too kind of easy on ourselves if we're locking in Asante Samuel? Yeah, let's lock him in, say, dream scenario, Asante Samuel. That would be the that would be the dream scenario there at two. Mm. Okay. So then we're moving on into the third round then where we've got two picks and uh, this is at 77 and 98. So again, what positions? If we're locked up kind of our main two, we can kind of have some fun now and the shackles are a little bit off, aren't they, from a lot of people's yeah. perspective? Yeah, I mean, we talked about it earlier that there's really big depth there at wide receiver. I think that they, you might have a stray tight end available on the board. Um, and you could have a few edge guys there that could be strong potentials as that sort of to help out with obviously Fakrul, Nawusu and Bosa. So I think that them three positions, and obviously we did talk about safety before, but I think that most of the safeties that I would really like would have already been gone by then. But obviously, you know, some probably deeper guys, um, more so in then sort of picks sort of 90 range as well, 70 to 90. But I think that the main four or five guys would all be gone by then that I would I would personally like at safety. Um, but there's one cornerback, weirdly, that could play safety, which is um, Wade from Ohio State. Yeah, sure. Um, which is kind of a strange one if I would maybe even possibly look at him um, and have him as that sort of hybrid, you could play him as a nickel Harris out wide, then you could play him deep and bring Derwin James in. So there's there's a possibility with Wade. I think he's a really interesting player. And I think that if he falls to the right place, everyone could be scratching their heads, similar to when Tyrell Matthew went and everyone thinking, why the hell did everyone let this guy fall through their lap? Yeah, exactly. I mean, Wade is a really interesting guy to look out for on draft weekend because, you know, came into the season, people were talking about him as one of the best corners in the class, went and played outside. I'm not going to, like, mince my word, he absolutely stunk it up the whole season, like, pretty much, especially in the big games when he was calling out the Alabama wide receivers and saying he's going to lock them down and he got absolutely smoked. Like, yeah, his draft stock has fallen through the floor. I mean, he's going to be a great pickup for someone, especially if they get him in, like, the late third, maybe even a bit later rounds, because like I said, this cornerback class has got a lot of guys who've kind of overtaken him in terms of hype and also in terms of the tape as well. So, yeah, I think it's an interesting shout. I think if we was there at 97 and we hadn't addressed the safety position, 
And even if we'd taken a corner, if we'd taken a corner like we have at 47 and he was there at 97, I'm thinking, yeah, let's go and do it. Because as I mentioned, I mean, I want like a Chris Harris replacement on the roster anyway. And if you've got a guy who, like, I just think Sean Wade just should just like stay in his lane and just play nickel all his career and just be great at it. You know, you don't have to play outside. I know it's the thing that everyone does. You know, we've seen it with Rajon Gary wanting to play an edge and things like that. We've seen it with other corners wanting to play outside. We saw it with like Robert Griffin III, where he didn't want to be a running quarterback. He wanted to be a pocket passer and then ended his career because he was standing in the pocket when he should have been using his legs and things like that. He just gets people into trouble. Like I say, he should just stay in his lane. He should just play a nickel. Um, but yeah, let's work through these positions and let's start wide receiver and let's go through some like options and let's lay out the table for ourselves and then we'll pick our kind of best dish, I guess. Mm-hmm. Who are you looking at wide receiver then? What type of wide receiver are you looking for as well? Um, I think the, I'd want someone... I mean, we've got KJ Hill last year, obviously, that I still I still think that he can become something. I just think that it wasn't with Lynn there. I just don't think it was really the system that suited him at all. And I think having someone like Labardi there now that can get stuff out of sort of kind of them gadget players, he did it in uh, New Orleans and sort of used that slot guy quite a lot. So mm. I think that there is possibility. And I still run out hope for him. And even some ways, Joe Reed. And I think that they can both bring something different to the table. So for me, it would be someone like the USC guy. Um, I think the six, the sort of six one, sort of two hundred pound guys that just that are pretty safe over the middle for the time being. Someone that can learn from Keenan maybe over the t- sort of two three year period, and then be his sort of heir apparent. So someone that's a pretty stout route runner but safe hands. So mm. someone like. Um, some Brown, uh, Danami Brown, um, even like, I mean, maybe Smith Marset is a bit early, but Tylen Wallace for me, I always really like. I mean, obviously, he's a bit more in that Tyron range, Johnson sort of mould mm. in some respects. So he offers that vertical deep, and he's sort of, I think that is, um, I think his yards per reception is one of the long, uh, longest in this, yeah. this yeah. draft class. So, those guys for me are would be perfect. I mean, if you're going super speedy, you've got Anthony Schwartz from Auburn, the sort of lightning quick, um, and then you're kind of getting into that sort of, I don't know, Marquez Stevenson range, and uh, Tony would be gone. Tutu Atwell maybe would be there, but not really my cup of tea. Um, Rondell Moore maybe, but again, I think that it can kind of get, I think that, I think that I'd still want to give Joe Reed another year just to see what we can get from him out of that sort of style. Yeah, absolutely. I think I was a big fan of Joe Reed last year in terms of like when we drafted him, I kind of had a, look, a deeper look into him and things like that. I looked really excited. I was really excited about his potential use in the running game and also the passing game as well. And, you know, with, a, like I say, a, an offensive staff that was headed up by Anthony Lynn, it just didn't have the creativity to use him. So I'd like to think with Lombardi and kind of his guys, they be willing to use him a bit more creatively so hopefully we will see that but I don't think he'll be part of a let's say a set wide receiver core I think he'll be used as a gadget player I think he will see him in the backfield sometimes and doing other stuff so I don't think it precludes us from taking a wide receiver at some point the other aspect of this really is what's happening with Mike Williams this time next year and do we need to get a bigger wide receiver in now because it's something I was having a conversation with someone on Facebook not too long ago. I think it's like earlier this week in that Mike Williams probably shouldn't get brought back next year 
because we've got Keenan. If Keenan's committed to a fair amount of money, you don't really want to be paying your number two wide receiver another hefty bag of money. You know, and in my opinion, and I said this to you and said this on the podcast last year, I don't feel like Mike Williams and Justin Herbert's on-field chemistry was too great. I don't think Justin was looking to him. He was more willing to go to Guyton and he's more willing to go to Johnson, which is pretty alarming, I think, for Williams, especially because he's now kind of, well, he's way more seen in those two guys, let's say that, and he's coming up to his contract year. So guys that I'd be looking at outside of the guys that you've already mentioned, just for a bit more of a, a kind of variety, would be people like Nico Collins, and the guy from Illinois, who I'm not going to even attempt to say the name, Josh Imotabahani or something like that. And Diami Brown would definitely fit, but I think he'll be gone by 77 for sure. I just think these like vertical kind of athletic guys, I mean, they don't offer the kind of body control that Mike Williams does. I don't think many players do, but I think they could fill that role and probably get six, 700 yards and a few touchdowns like Mike Williams probably is looking at now from a, you know, a much sort of more value for money standpoint as well when you're picking up late in the third round? I'd say if we were going to go down that route and go for the bigger guy, it would be Terence Marshall in the second for me if, if he even gets there. Um, but the one, if you were talking about a later round guy, was a guy that had a really good senior bowl from Louisville, which was Des Fitzpatrick, which is the 6'2", two, two, he's about 210, I think. But mm-hmm. he's got big, big range. Um and he's made some spectacular catches that kind of does remind me in some respects <laughs> of, um, of Williams and how he does it. So for me, I think that I would probably go later if I was looking for the bigger guy, because I think that the better wide receivers, if you're looking in the thirds, I think you're reaching for a fourth round guy in the third, if that was the case. Yeah. With Collins and the Illinois guy. I think as well, I think it is not that big of a, need like I say I want a succession plan for Williams I want Justin to have more weapons but I don't think you need to spend this much draft capital in the third on a wide receiver it's nice to talk about these names if someone like Rondell Moore did fell I'd be like all over it because I just think he's amazing I just think he's a great player I think he should be a second round player obviously it goes completely against my succession plan for Mike Williams but it gives you know Justin a great weapon and also the offense a great weapon yeah. But yeah, I mean, maybe a conversation for next week for me anyway, mm-hmm. in that when we kind of talk about our day three guys, you might be thinking about people like Simi Fihoko from Stanford or Seth Williams or maybe even a Josh or a, a Smith Marset kind of player who's going to be there in the fourth round anyway, so to speak. I mean, this we, we know that this wide receiver class is pretty stacked all the way through and you're going to be able to get guys early day three and they're going to be able to be contributors. You know, and let's not forget, we do have guy and we do have Johnson I mean I'm not going to bank on both of those guys working out and becoming something but one of them might and if not you know then bringing some guy in day three just buffs out your options a lot more plus KJ Hill as well so you've got your two main guys you've also got Jared Cook Austin Eckler don't forget they're probably like ahead of all these other guys wide receiver wise in terms of the uh the pecking order in terms of the offense so it's um it's all about having options, I think. And then obviously Joe Reed's in that as well. And also the other running back. So, you know, plenty of options there, but I don't think it needs to be addressed till day three. Yeah. Agreed. What's the next position that we're looking at then? What what would be the sort of other position? I mean, we've talked about safety. We've talked about corners. You mentioned edge, right? Yeah. I think that, I think tight end for me. Oh yeah. We, you mentioned the three guys. I don't think that really tight end still. I mean, if there's Hunter, someone like Hunter Long, um, Brevin Jordan, that can't see him falling that far. Um, he tested really badly, though. You know, he could he could drop. 
I could if the, if one of those are on the board, then seventy-seven could be a prime position to take one of them. Mm. I think that if Hunter Long or Jordan is there, then that could be kind of your answer to that. The same that I mentioned about Pitts going to Atlanta with that Julio Jones. You've got that sort of range, whereas you could get someone like Brevin Jordan or Hunter Long. It kind of gives you that aspect of a, kind of like a wide receiver and stroke Hunter Henry as well. So mm. them two would be possibilities at 77. But I think I think the value could be at edge. I think the value could be at edge at 77. I mean, you're looking at all the big guys gone. Uh, Joe Tron gone. Uh, Ronnie Perkins is probably gone. Boogie Basham's probably gone. It's going to be like Patrick Jones, Quincy Roche, Hamilton Richard, my man Chris Rumpf. And even guys like Sample's good. Um, Hayes is good from Notre Dame. There's... There's quite a lot of guys there. Ellison Smith is also getting a lot of buzz from Northern Iowa, Iowa now as well. So there's a lot of guys there, which I've watched some tape on as an edge guy. And I think mm. that this in round three, not, not everyone's going to be taking edges in the first couple of rounds. And I think that there's going to be a big sort of pack in the middle where there's all these guys left at edge and you kind of get in the same player as some of the guys that took them early round two. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, those a few of those guys I really like. I'm a big fan of Patrick Jones, for sure. Um, Ellison Smith is toolsy. I don't think he knows what he's doing, but he's definitely toolsy. He's got the frame. Another kind of guy who I've liked a lot in this sort of range, kind of 77, 97, third round guys, is Jordan Smith from UAB. I think he's quite violent. I think he has got the length. I think he's like 6'6", six, six, maybe touching 6'7". And he definitely knows what he's doing because he started at Florida as well. And he dominated that lower level of competition in Conference USA when he went there. Um, had a, I mean, had a bit of a dodgy pass. He got dabbling in some credit card fraud or something like that, which got him <laughs> kicked off Florida. So maybe Boy Scout Tom Telesco won't be drafting him. But yeah. yeah, someone that I definitely think is is a player that the Chargers should be looking at. Maybe like you say, that second, third round pick at ninety-seven. If Patrick Jones is there, I'll I'll pull the trigger for sure. I think he's pretty low ceiling, but he's very, very safe sort of player. Gives a lot of effort. You know, he's got some moves to him as well. But how about Peyton Turner from from Houston at 77? Yeah. He's a player that I've just latched onto quite recently. Actually, I watched him earlier this week and I was really impressed with him. I was really impressed with him. I think he's flashes a lot. I think he's an athletic freak. I don't think, again, don't think he's all there yet. But again, you, you know, you're picking a guy in round three. You know, he's not going to be a complete player unless there's some, you know, circumstance with someone drops and for some reason is still there and they're a great player but yeah if they can get Peyton Turner Jordan Smith Patrick Jones uh Rumpf I think is a little bit too early although I know you're a big fan and probably want to take him in like round two or something <laughs> but uh but yeah I mean I would say yeah if we could get I don't know I I think Patrick Jones should be well gone by round three but if we could get Patrick Jones or if we get Jordan Smith I think Peyton Turner's recent hype is going to push him up a little bit higher. I think he'll be gone by the end of the second. But yeah, one of those guys. And I think, you know, you're getting a guy who, a little bit like, again, going back to Brandon Staley, we make him out as though he's like a, a guy who kind of works with nothing. But, you know, he can, he kind of just gets a body type, doesn't he? And he kind of makes something of him. You know, Michael Brockers wasn't doing too much before. Um, Leonard Floyd was on a scrap heap before Brandon Staley came along. You know, there was what's the other what's the other guy on the the Rams offensive line, the double barreled name guy? What's his name? Something Robertson. 
something like that, isn't it? He he's like an you know he's not a premium draft guy, and you know Brandon Staley's made him a a, a great player, and, and same with Morgan Fox as well. Yeah, you know, and I think they, I think he could do the, one of these guys as well that we just talked about. So like, I I agree. I think Edge is the way to go in in round three early and and pick up one of these guys before again. There's like you say another little teardrop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who are we locking in? Um, I think bringing Peyton Turner up, I think that was a good shout. I think that that is kind of, he's a senior, something that Telesco does love. He does love the guys that have been through. I think he's a good size, 6'5", 270. He's kind of that sort of perfect edge mm. size, really. Um, good speed, good pro day. I think that's a perfect shout at 77. Cool. I'm happy to lock that in then. I'm, again, I think we've been a bit kind to ourselves with Samuel and Peyton, Peyton Turner at 47 and 77, but you know, perfect scenario. I'd be absolutely loving this right now. Moving then into our compensatory pick at 98. Sorry, I kept saying 97 just then, but 98, second compensatory pick of the whole draft. Mm-hmm. Where are we moving to? Are we looking to like address the secondary again? Are we moving to wide receiver? Are there any positions that we're just not going to pick apart from quarterback? I don't Is there anything th- that's kind of out of the question? I don't think they'll be taking anything. Like a, I don't think they'll be taking a center. I think they'll be taking, they could take a guard. But I don't think they'll take a centre. I think Lindsay's locked in. I think they'll give Quest and Perry the benefit of the doubt. Mm. But I just think that I just think that they won't take a, take a centre. I think that um, they won't take a quarterback. No, definitely. What about a running back? I've seen a few like nearly like the, the the sort of mocks that are coming out now that people are doing like seven rounders and things like that or four or five rounders. I see a, a running back taken from the Chargers every now and then. I can see one coming in as an unrestricted and sort of competing Mm. um, more so than us actually drafting one. I think that Staley's going to value. I think that if I had to put my hand on my heart and say, (laughs) I thought you were going to say your house and you backed out of it. (laughs) We, we, I can't see us taking a running back in this draft personally. I think that they, they'll concentrate more on things like corner. I think, um, and I think I think that we're overlooking another position, which is D line, like interior D line. I mm. think that Joseph's not getting any younger, um, and Justin Jones's contract's up soon. And then you just got Tillery there, which doesn't really offer you anything as a run stuffer. He's just kind of that rotational piece. Obviously, Staley's going to love. Staley thinks that he's going to get quite a lot out of him, but there's still a glaring need there as an interior D. And I think that that's one position. I think that we could even maybe double up on late. There's not outstanding pieces, but if you were going to maybe try and get some guys that are on later on in the draft, because there's a lot of guys that have fallen, like just out of literally, they, they came into this process as quite high picks. And now all of a sudden you're looking at them and thinking you could probably get them in round four and round five. Are you thinking of anyone in particular there? Because my mind went straight to one person as soon as you said that in terms of the interior defensive line. Yeah, my, my guy is Twyman. Yeah, from that's exactly what I was thinking. Um, I think that he's very, very similar to, obviously, he's, he wears the same number and he went to Pitt, so everyone wants him to be Aaron Donald, and he clearly isn't. He's the same sort of build as well. <laughs> yeah, so he's just fallen. Like, you can't believe how far he's fallen. I've been picking him up in mocks in sort of five, fifth, sixth rounds um, and, and reaching for him in some respects, if you look at his positions. Mm. Um, I think that there's just, at the moment, there are people are ranking like, the top guy that's going to go is either the Washington guy that I'm not going to pronounce or Barmore. So mm. you're talking about them two, but they're saying that they're going to be kind of like 
probably second round picks, tops really. Yeah. Um, and then you're sort of getting into sort of your that you, nose tackles never go early. I mean, you're talking about Reed, it was a really good tackle at Alabama. Um, Tomlinson again, really good tackle at Alabama. Both look better than any guys in this class, and they both went sort of middle day two. So none of these guys that are run stuffers are going to be going any earlier than sort of late round three. So you could pick up some, I think some very, very well, um, very, very good defensive tackles there in, in sort of the late round. So, I mean, end of, end of the third, you could be looking at a Tyler Shelvin LSU sort of that big run stuff in six, three, two forty six guy that can replace someone like uh, Linval Joseph Obviously, being at LSU is known, and he, he he runs a lot. He kind of does remind me a little bit of Joseph. So there is that potential as well that you could take. And obviously, like I said just a minute ago, Twyman, he's the guy that it's probably a reach for him now, if I'm honest. But I do love everything about this guy. I think he could be a really, really, really good player in the league. Yeah, I I mean, I really liked him. when I've, I've watched a lot of the Pittsburgh defensive line because I was watching a lot of edge guys for the Fulton Yards draft guide. So I watched um, a lot of uh, Rashad Weaver, a lot of Patrick Jones, and early tape time was in, obviously opted out this season. Mm-hmm. And it's a great defensive line. It's really good defense, actually. I liked a couple of their safeties that I might mention next week. But um, yeah, another one, kind of in the same boat, really, as Jalen Twyman is Marvin Wilson from FSU. Mm-hmm. You know, a guy that these two were like the two defensive tackles. <laughs> you know, this time last year, they were like the, the two guys that everyone was kind of watching. Yeah. And they've kind of slipped down to this range. So, you know, if you get him on them, like I said, it's one of those, isn't it, where maybe not the most um, urgent of need, but, you know, if you've got Marvin Wilson sat there at 97, you're thinking, yeah, you know, he's a high pedigree player. He's definitely had a lot of production. Um, and, you know, he could definitely cause some problems on the Chargers defensive line. So, yeah, I'd, I'd absolutely go along with this. It should be something that we keep our eye on. I don't know if it's something we should prioritise, but something that we should prioritize, uh, uh, keep our eye on for sure. And if someone's there who we can take at any point in the draft, really, you know, from, from this point onwards, I'd be happy to take. Another name to throw out there, uh, someone that we're quite big on over at Fulton Yards is uh, Osa Adigazua. Mm-hmm. And, and we'd be keeping him in LA as well, UCLA product as well. Yeah. Um, potentially doesn't have the length, but he uses leverage so well. He's got quite long arms, but he's not like the tallest. But he, yeah, like I say, he's got um, a wrestling background. So he knows what he's doing in terms of leverage and things like that. So um, someone that could definitely cause problems again for the, 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 well, the opposition on the Chargers defensive line. Yeah, there's two other guys there that are very similar in stature to him because I know that they brought one of them guys in for they've done a few meetings with him and that was Darius Sills from West Virginia. Stills mm-hmm. from West mm-hmm. Virginia. Yeah. Um, Chargers have had a meeting with him and they've there was an I think don't hold me to this but M- Milton Williams as well. I don't know if they've had a meeting with him but there's talk that he's them sort of guys in that mold at 280 rather than the three 320 guys or 310 mm. guys is maybe the mold that they're trying to look at. So sort of a hybrid of a defensive tackle. It's like a short Jerry Tillery really, isn't it? Kind of, yeah. What, maybe one with a little bit more speed or a bit more bends than Tillery. Mm. Um, so that is also, like you said, a little uh, something to watch maybe that they're going to attack that in maybe early, early day three that they could pick up one of those three guys. Yeah. I, I wouldn't um, be adverse to, like you said, just going back to your earlier point, I wouldn't be adverse to picking up a, a nose tackle, but it'd be more day three. Yeah. Um, so maybe we'll, we'll come on to that next week. But um, just so I don't forget, one one guy who I really like in that kind of build and that kind of mould is Kyrus Tonga from BYU. He's an absolute man mountain and he moves people as well. So maybe a, a something to, to look out for. 
Um, I guess the other one as well, the other kind of one is to go back to safety. Yeah, I was going to say range. that. Yeah. Because we weren't exactly locked into safety at, at the second round pick. But then if we go, uh, what have we gone here? We've gone tackle, corner, and then we've gone for edge. And then we've kind of gone, we kind of need to now circle back. So moving almost, what is it, 50 picks later, what kind of t- uh, safeties are we looking at here then? I mean, you probably know more about some of these deeper safeties than me. If I was targeting a safety, I think that, I think that I'd target one earlier. It's just my preference. I think mm. that you might see where the value is. I think that you could get, say, if they do take tackle at 13, I think that I'd prefer to take the safety in the second rather than the corner and then the corner in the third with the edge. So sure. a corner and edge in the third and the safety in the second rather than the safety in the third. But, I mean, for me, I'm not really too au fait. I don't know if the Florida State guy would fall that far. I'm not even going to try and say his name either. That's it all, Dean. Yeah, um, and, and Tariq Thompson as well is someone that a few people have been talking about at San Diego State mm. that I've heard of. Um, but other than that, I'm not too sure. Okay, with too many of these other deep safe, uh, these safeties past sort of sort of early day two. Okay, so one one guy that jumps off the page straight away for me in terms of you know you're getting maybe a free trial version of Richard Grant. You know we're, we're kind of for, for going picking a Richard Grant or a Javon Holland or one of the TCU guys. And if you get in kind of in that mold, James Wiggins from Cincinnati is one that jumps out straight away. Uh, Richard LeCount from Georgia as well. He's a nice, he's a nice deep safety, Richard LeCount, and he's a good tackler as well. And um, he didn't test, he didn't test great, but again, going back to what I said earlier about someone else, I can't remember who that was, but on film looks faster than he actually tested on pro day. So I kind of believe the tape more so than the, the kind of, the pro day is only one off day and things like that. And a guy who, if we are looking for kind of a deeper guy, um, I'm going to go back to Syracuse again for Andre Cisco, a guy who again has fallen quite a lot. But it's great ball production. He had, I think, he had four or five interceptions in one year. I think it was in his sophomore year yeah. uh, last season. So um, he's fallen because he's got a knee injury, which obviously you know you don't want to kind of draft someone straight yeah. after that, but. You know, if you can get over that and then you get in a higher pedigree of player in the well, what is pretty much the fourth round, mm-hmm. you know, he's he's a he's a good value pick. But yeah, James Wiggins at Cincinnati would be my my guy who I'd go after and point in, in the order that we'd we'd kind of gone through then, to be honest with you. Yeah, there's another guy I, I've heard a few people talk about and I've seen a few charger mocks with him in, which is uh, Jamie Sherwood from Auburn. Um six two two twenty is a big time. To- Big safety, basically. Um, I don't know. Do you know much about him? I, I haven't actually watched any of him. If I'm going to be perfectly honest with you, I have like seen what you've seen in terms of uh, kind of people taking him in mocks and things like that. I think he's got a little bit of late round buzz, things like that. Um, but there would be people kind of above him. There's a reason probably why he's not come to my radar. Yeah. Um, Tariq Thompson's a good shout. Um, again, didn't test great, which could push him down the boards. What you've got, what we've got to be thinking as well at this point, if we're at 97, I know it's not super, super late in the draft, but we've got to be thinking about these special teams reps that these guys are going to be taking. Yeah. And I think Thompson would be good, good for that. Uh, going back to Oregon, Brady Breeze would be a great special teamer. Uh, he reminds me a little bit of Drew Tranquil, but a safety kind of version. Um, really heady player, really kind of intelligent player, uh, kind of all heart, not the greatest amount of athleticism, definitely not going to be like a deep guy, but you know, special teamer, maybe a guy for day three. And uh, yeah, I'll kind of save a couple more who I might mention next week. But yeah, I think um, who I say James Wiggins, didn't I? Um, Nasir Dean would be a nice shout as well. 
what would he be a Derwin when we've already got a Derwin? Do you know what I mean? He'd be like again, kind of the free trial version of Derwin. Yep. I'm 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 happy to lock in one of those safeties if you think that one of those guys is particularly sort of a standout. Hmm. I don't know if I do. You think the Syracuse guy could be there? I mean, people are saying that he's more of a, a sort of more of a day two sort of pick at the moment. I see him sort of going in sort of like the sixties rather than the seventies. But if you can get him at ninety, sounds like a bargain to me. He is slipping because of an injury. He's not like he's very much a deep safety. He wouldn't be like he's a bit like Javon Holland I was talking about earlier, where his tackling is not amazing, but ball production and range is really, really good. Um, hopefully the injury's not sapped him too much. Do you know what? I don't know if I'd wait. I don't know if I'd wait. I don't know if I'd kind of go another way. And if you, you know, you've kind of excited me a little bit with talking about these big guys on the defensive line. So who would you go for? I mean, if you're talking about wanting like a slighter guy, I mean, kind of rules like Marvin Wilson probably. So maybe you're looking at maybe like a Jalen Twine, maybe looking at a Ziggy Dua. Um, well, who's the other guy that you mentioned? Sorry, that they were maybe looking at Milton Williams and who was the other one? Uh, Stills. Oh yeah, Stills. Darius Stills. Do you know what? If they could get if they could get Jalen Twyman at ninety seven, I'd be I'd, I'd be, be delighted with that. Yeah, I'd be happy with that. Absolutely delighted. If you could take if you could come away with Turner and and Twyman as your two guys in round three, mm. that would just make me really happy as a, as as a, to see what Rogers and Smith and Staley could do with those those two with Bosa and Tillery and um, Nawusu. I mean that that you got some because both of those guys offer a lot in. Obviously, you're talking about Turner more as an edge guy, but he's really good in the run game. And you're also talking about Twyman, who's a defensive tackle that hopefully is forte should be stopping the run, but he's really good in the pass passing mm. game as well as, as a rusher. So you're kind of getting the best of both worlds because Turner's not the smallest guy; he's, he's a long rangey dude. So I think that you're kind of getting a mixture where you could rush Turner from the inside, you could rush Twyman from the outside if you wanted to. So yeah. I think that kind of gives you a nice, a really nice sort of sort of balance with that in the third round, taking both of those guys. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing to kind of mention about Peyton Turner is Houston moved him around as well. So, you know, we're talking about matchups, right, on this defensive line. That's what Brandon Staley wants to get. He wants to get his guys isolated. And you might sacrifice like a Jerry Tillery to get Joey Bosa free or someone like Peyton Turner free or Jane Twyman free so you can get Tillery and Bosa rushing and maybe kind of primary rushes on that play. So it's all about matchups. I think you've got a nice, it's almost like goes back to that phrase we talk about like being a basketball team of wide receivers. It becomes, you've got Jerry Tillery, who's kind of this long, lengthy guy, Peyton Turner, kind of similar to Joe Bosa. And then you've got a kind of more squatty guy who can maybe eat up some double teams in Jalen Twyman. And do you know what the other factor of this is? You know, we, we kind of went and strengthened something that we really need a lot of strengthening, but we've also got some nice players there as well. You know, we've just mentioned four guys, or I just have anyway but I've not mentioned Linval Joseph, I've not mentioned Justin Jones. And that then goes from a weakness to something of like a real strength. Yeah. And also you've got that connection as well. Obviously what we did in the off-season, we've recruited from Pitt. We've got a coach from Pitt, might know mm. about him mm. as well. So there's that connection there of maybe picking him up or a Pitt guy up in that sort of day, um, late day two, early day three range. Yeah, absolutely. That's another really good point, actually. The, another kind of factor from me going away from safety as well is we're picking at 98. We only have to wait 20 picks until we're back on the clock. So, you know, I've just, I've just talked about a handful of safeties. Some of those guys are going to be there 20 picks later. 
Mm-hmm. So it's kind of nice little run where we've got 77, 97, 119, where you've got, you've not got to wait a long time. So you're thinking we could have like a group of players and you could think, well, we might get this safety here or if not, then we'll go and get this defensive lineman. If not, then we'll get this edge guy. And then it'll be these, these group of three picks, I think were really important. Yeah. And it'll be like a miss, uh, like a the mix and match of what positions we're going to get. I don't think we're kind of locked into anything. I think we've got a lot of flexibility in this portion of the draft. Yeah, I think that this this whole draft class could be won and lost on picks. Was it seven, 77, 98, and 119? I mm-hmm. think that that's where this draft class can can go from. Yeah, we've done the usual and we've taken like a really good one, really good guy, and then someone else that can help out. And then the others I haven't really been seeing the field to hang on a minute. We've got four potential starters from the get go, mm. which would be absolutely amazing because we haven't had that for a long, long time. I mean, I know you want to wait for rookies and you hope that they develop, but sometimes you just we're in that. We talked about it before. We're in that bulk of we're in that mold now that we need. We need to start winning now with Herbert on that rookie deal. So yeah, we need to kind of maybe get in there and get players that it might leave us maybe weak in a couple of play- positions. Say if you're saying, oh, we might not take a corner here, etc. But if you can get some absolute gems and starters at positions that we can just plug and play straight away, like you said, get one at, I don't know, sort of nickel corner and then that deep safety, that nose tackle. They're not glamorous glamorous positions like your nickel and your deep safety and your nose but you can get three players that can start straight away and you haven't got to worry about it and yeah kind of then you've got the you've kind of got everything you need so i think that kind of people people always forget about them positions like your centers and and, and all your guards or whatever and full backs and things like that and even special teams if you can actually nail these positions and get these locked in and not really worry about it. There's other teams there like panicking, trying to find these good nose tackles and good centers. And if we can get caught, we've got Joseph and Lindsay. And if you can't get two players in that you can get, can learn from these guys straight away. I mean, there's something wrong there. I mean, there's, you, we've got to win this draft now in this sort of that 70 to 120 range. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with everything you've said there. Uh, especially that mentorship role that these older guys are going to play. I think that's going to be really, really important. And I think, you know, if we got this, I mean, I think maybe, like you say, we are being a bit too kind to ourselves in some senses, maybe. I think this is absolute perfect scenario. But if you're getting these guys who can contribute in 2021 and also have a massive upside, like these four players that we've kind of talked about and also some of the players that we've not taken, like you say, that's when you win. And that's when your team gets better and when you win and when you get to the playoffs consistently. Because you play, your team goes from, I know people won't be able to see this when I kind of do this over Zoom, but you kind of go from this level to kind of up a few notches, don't you? Just from this win, this one draft. And then if you can stack one draft class on top of the, another next year, that's how Seattle won the Super Bowl. You know, when they took like Richard Sherman, Cam Chancellor, uh, Earl Thomas, they took like Russell Wilson in that. They got everyone that they, of all that core of their Super Bowl winning, and losing teams as well yeah. all came from like two or three draft classes that is that one on top of each other yeah. and you know we didn't have a great draft last year on paper it looked good but we not got that production maybe it's time for this this draft class to come alive and then we can stack another one on top of it and then maybe next year again and like you say you become one of the best teams in the league but you know maybe thinking a little bit too far ahead there but you know that's the way we've got to look at it 
uh, like you said, with with this with the cap shooting up again next year, and the players that we've got locked in for this year, like it's they're all keystone pieces. The other mm. guys, they're just they've we've got some really good players in, but some of them are just one year deals or they're coming to the end of their careers, like Joseph or Harris, etc. But they're good, still good players. Mm. But it's the time is now to then look at what we've got this year, project what we're going to have next year, and say. Right, let's get the heir apparent to Joseph. Let's get the heir apparent to Harris. So we haven't got to try and figure this out. They're already in the building, locked in. So we're playing the same way now. And we are playing exactly the same with the same core 12 months from now. So mm. when we add from 12 months from now, we're not chopping and changing players' positions or we need this, we need that. We're locked in with all of these guys from this draft class are all taken over from the guys that we're going to be losing the next. And then we can just pick up the free agents here and there and drop a couple of little gems in. That's how they need to do it this year. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, completely get that. And obviously the chemistry factor as well. And, you know, we've got to have a long-term plan. I hope that Brandon Staley is going to be there. I'm certainly of that mode of thinking. I'm sure you are exactly the same as well. And, um, you know, you've got to have a long-term view of these things. Definitely. All right, then. So that's our sort of first couple of days of the draft locked in with four players just to recap, we've got Christine Darrisaw at 13. We went ahead and took Asante Samuel Jr. at 47. And then in the third round, we picked up Peyton Turner. And then we went ahead and took Jalen Twyman with our third round, second third round pick of the evening. And that locks in for next week's pod when we're going to go through day three. So we've got a whole bunch of picks to go through next week. So it might be a bit of a longer episode because we've got a fourth round, a fifth round, two sixth round, and also the seventh as well. So come back to us next week when we're taking you through day three of our kind of perfect scenario draft for the Chargers. So and we'll only be a week out from draft season when we get there as well. So yeah, thanks for listening to this one and we'll see you next time.